Good news, people. Good news. Let's start with good news. A much-needed boost for education. The government has allocated $44 million to recruit 1,000 new teachers and to give extra support for students whose learning has been disrupted by COVID. I'm so excited by this. I don't even care where the money's come from. Don't care. Just print it, as they say. According to Jantinetti, the Associate Minister and a passionate advocate for education, the long-term goal is to improve the supply of domestic teachers. But in the meantime, they're looking to recruit 700 international teachers and 300 from within our own borders. All well and good. We know that Chris Hipkins, the minister minister, and Jan Tanetti, the associate minister, believe fervently in education as a way of giving marginalised young people more options, more choices in life, and no one is doubting their commitment. But saying they're going to recruit a 1,000 more teachers, 700 from overseas, is a bit like me saying I intend to be 65 kilos by summer. I mean, it's doable. But will it be done? Even with the best of intentions, plans come unstuck. Remember Andrew Little's claim that there were more than 7,000 people overseas who had registered an interest in working in New Zealand's health sector, nurses accounting for about 3,200 of those. How many of those pie-in-the-sky healthcare workers and nurses who have expressed an interest, have actually parlayed that into applying for a visa. And how many of those have applied have got through the immigration red tape? Because the thing is, when the ministers make announcements, it sounds as though the plan is a fact. You know, oh, we don't need to make nurses priority A for immigration because we've got 3,200 who have registered an interest to come here, which sounds like 3,200 nurses have laced up their white rubber-soled shoes and are ready to walk into vacancies in hospitals, rest homes and GP clinics. But there aren't 3,200 nurses on our doorstep. I think the last time we checked, seven had actually arrived in the country. I don't know what the up-to-date figure is. We'll try and find the numbers to give you an accurate update, which is easier said than done. You'd think you'd ring up Andrew Little, how many nurses have arrived. He'd say, thanks for asking, Kerry, 212. You'd say, thanks, Minister, and you'd, no, you'd probably have to get an Official Information Act request in, and, you know. used to be easy in the olden days. I know old people go on about the olden days, but you did. You used to be able to ring up and say, how many nurses? We'd say, hang on, I'll have a look at the figures. There we go. And I'd let you know. Anyway, I digress. We'll see if we can get the figures to you. And at least there is a commitment there to get more teachers into the classrooms and to get better student-to-teacher ratios, which helps everybody. The PPTA says, hey, no need. There are thousands of teachers ready, willing and able in the community. Melanie Weber of the PPTA says there are highly qualified, trained and experienced teachers right here who would come back into the classroom tomorrow if they were better paid and had more manageable workloads. You might say to those teachers, if you hadn't left, there'd be a more manageable workload for the teachers that are there. But, you know, nonetheless, she says there are trained New Zealand teachers who have left the workforce because they're burnt out, they're stuffed, they can get more money elsewhere, they're just sick and tired of not being able to do their best for the kids that come into the classroom. And that, more than anything, I think, wears teachers down. As well as increasing the teacher supply, Chris Hipkins says they're going to try and help those kids who have been disrupted by COVID not fall behind. He says, we know that young people have missed crucial time in the classroom throughout the last two and a half years. We need to address that impact head on. And he has said that. He's been consistent in saying that. And one of his main priorities 
at the start of the year was to get children back into the classroom. He knows that that matters. So they're putting $20 million towards additional teaching and tutoring services, which will include exam prep, workshops, tutorials and homework, and one-on-one mentoring. I would argue we need to put that focus in the primary schools rather than exam prep. You know, when you've got senior students who don't know what the word trivial means, then I think we need to go right back to grassroots where you've got those young ones coming into primary schools and getting them brought up to speed. But, you know, I'm not the education minister and I could have been if I had the gumption to stand. However, I hope that that is something that the um, the educators will put pressure on the government and say, OK, well, this funding is great, but really we need to put it into our young ones. So a couple of questions from this. I mean, yay in terms of the acknowledgement and the commitment to get more teachers. Do you believe 700 teachers are just gagging for the opportunity to step into New Zealand classrooms? I'm not entirely sure I do. Even if there were, do you trust the immigration department to be able to process them in a timely fashion? I do not. But what would it take to get you back into teaching if you are one of those teachers who walked away from the classroom and I, I'm willing to, to bet that it wasn't so much the money, it was the fact that you were fed up that you couldn't do the job, you believed in passionately, you couldn't help the kids, that you believed deserved the best of everything and all you could give at best was a B-. minus. What would it take to get you back into teaching? So that's addressed to our teaching community. And as a parent... What impact did COVID have on your child's education? Did your child respond better to working at home? Were you able to pick up any kind of deficiencies in their learning? If their learning impacted, was impacted by COVID, what does your child need to play catch up? What do they need to be where they should be, to be where they would have been had COVID and the closure of classrooms not disrupted their education. What impact did the closure of schools have on your child? And what do they need to be achieving to their capabilities, to be, to use that oft-quoted phrase, the best that they can be?